instead of them leveraging Megan, like her brilliance, her fight for feminism and equal rights, mm-hmm. her, 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 you know, she was just like, I could go on and on about all the things she could have brought, like just showing that unity be- between the countries, how we, how far we've come as a country, how we've advanced, like, you know, how welcoming and, you know, this is representation of like this progress, like they could have used her difference to really showcase a new era of what the royal family stands for, but instead they silenced her. Hello, and welcome to Wind Down, Build Up, the podcast giving you the tea and the tools to succeed in business. I'm Tabitha Solomon. And I'm KJ Miller. Today on the show, we're talking about the infamous Harry and Meghan interview. Wow. Yes. This is going to be so juicy. It seems like this is the number one topic that everyone's talking about from every area of my life right now. So this is going to be amazing. Everybody's talking about it. You know we had to talk about it. I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) You know all this good British tea? Yes. Absolutely. Um, But before we jump in, as always, we want to encourage you to pause right now follow us if you're listening on spotify and even more importantly leave us a written review if you're listening on apple a lot of you have gone in and punched that five star which we love but now we need you to write why you love us so do us that favor it's going to help us bring you this show every week okay are you ready to get into the tea Let's do this. Let's do this. (laughs) So listen, yes, we're talking all about Harry and Meghan, and we're going to be talking about it from the perspective of what we can learn from the firm. And I love that they call it that, the firm, Mm -hmm. and all of the little mistakes they made. But before we get into that, for the tea, I was thinking we could just share for us, what were the most gasp-worthy moments? Like what really stuck out to you because I don't know about you Tabitha but when I was watching this there were so many moments where my jaw dropped (laughs) (laughs) I tell you I was like Oprah jaw open okay Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're like oh what Um, yeah yeah run that back what did you say yeah well it seems like you and Oprah on the same wavelength because she was like what I love yeah. Oprah's reactions, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. So for me, there are a good four or five. And I'll kick off with, I'm going to guess, the one that was the most explosive, which is when someone inside the firm expressed concern that Archie, Megan's son, uh, has issues on, like, how dark he might be. Yes, and what, what's crazy about that is it's not just someone in the firm. It's someone in the royal family. Mm. Someone in the royal family. And I don't know if you saw the extended clips I of the did. interview, mm-hmm. but apparently Harry later clarified it wasn't the queen and it wasn't the queen's husband. So mm-hmm. to me, I took from that, it was Charles. It was his dad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly where I went because he Harry also said that he was estranged from his father right now yep. and that he was very disappointed in him. Yep. They're strange. He, his dad stopped taking his calls. So 
I think just about everybody in the whole world is assuming it was his dad who said that mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't see him going out of his way to be like, and also it wasn't my daddy. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Which right. you would think he might do. You done cleared the queen. So and you know what? what I will say is I've had a lot of respect for the queen after that interview because she seemed like one of the few people who are very warm and welcoming and was like rooting for them to be good you know even when she shared like it's a small thing like covering Megan's legs with the blanket and you know small gestures where they would sit and just have conversations she didn't have the glowing reviews about anyone else which says a lot now actually I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that to me stuck out to me was the fact that both of them had such great things to say about the queen but at at the end of the day the queen runs this shit okay Mm. so if the firm is not helping you out when you need help if the firm is taking away your son's title and security this that and the third the queen had to bless all that it's not like shit happens uh, you know for and from the royal family without her approval so i'm like doesn't this mean the queen took away his title and the queen turned like i don't know i just it was interesting to me because it seemed like to them they were very capable of like separating her from the firm right but don't she run the firm (laughs) see and i think this is where being an american comes in at a disadvantage you know how Megan says, like, as an American, she didn't understand that, like, she would actually have to curtsy when she met her future grandmother-in-law, mm-hmm. you know? And I think for me, I had always seen the queen as a figurehead, you know, an inspirational figure, but without much power. Mm-hmm. So when I heard all this happening, I never blamed the queen. I just thought there was an institution beyond her because if she is a figurehead, she's there to just, like, smile and and share hope and inspiration not the one signing off i don't know enough to know if the queen is the one who like strips people of titles or there's higher powers that be that happens inside yeah and i i guess what i took from the fact that they were so willing to Mm -hmm. separate the queen from the firm was that she is technically the head of the firm but she does what the firm says to do so see that makes sense to me and that i feel like is why they're able to like kind of absolve her from guilt because they're like okay even though like you could put an end to this shit if you wanted to you pretty much are beholden to the this institution and the way that these things are done mm-hmm. and you've decided like that's sort of like what the space you're gonna live in and yeah and so they're willing to I don't know absolve her from that and I don't I don't know if I personally would be able to but then again it's his grandma you know what I'm saying yeah. I mean, how many people out here are gonna hold a grudge against their grandma I don't yeah know. exactly and you know the thing is he lost his mother and I have to imagine his father based off what he said it wasn't like the most warm person so his grandmother was a person who probably comforted him and mm-hmm. kind of fill in that gap for him so yeah, yeah. What about you? What are some of the shocking moments from the interview? I could go on and on. Oh, Lord. Well, you know what? I really, really identified with Megan when she was talking about being pregnant mm. and being in such a dark place mm-hmm. and feeling so lonely. Mm. And I, I, I mean, it honestly brought me to tears because wow. I have in the midst of this pregnancy been in 
a really difficult place on so many occasions, you know, like I think pregnancy is hard no matter what, but Mm -hmm. a a pregnancy in the midst of a pandemic, when you are Mm -hmm. someone like me who is extremely extroverted, I really get my energy from being around other people. And so the fact that I have been so isolated Mm -hmm. in this pregnancy, there have been just some really dark nights where I have just, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've probably cried more nights in this pregnancy than, than I ever have in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. but throughout it, I had real love and support from everybody around me, from my husband, Mm -hmm. from my friends, from my family, even though people couldn't be here with me physically, I still felt nothing but love and support. So the fact that she was feeling so dark and, and obviously had the weight of the British press, the racism being hurled at her, Mm -hmm. you know, she had all of that. And then when she tried to get help, couldn't that broke my heart and I can't imagine I can't imagine going through that at any time but I certainly can't imagine going through that during a pregnancy that just Mm -hmm. that broke my heart yeah you know I was shocked that she was so open honest and vulnerable about that dark time um to essentially say I had suicidal thoughts it's really, really hard to say, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the contrast of having suicidal thoughts versus like anytime you see her in the press or doing her job, she's beautiful. She's poised. She's polished. She's always smiling. Mm-hmm. She's giving like all of her energy, you know, happy, cheery energy to everyone else. And to know behind closed doors, she thought this planet might be better off without her mm-hmm. was shocking for me. Um, and, you know, it just, I use one of those things like you just never know what people are going through. You never know. You just really don't. And to your point, the fact that it got that dark, because in my mind, that is literally the darkest that anyone can go, Yeah, you know, is saying they want it in their life. And even when she got to the end of her ropes, they still didn't give her support. To me, that showed how much they did not care about her. Yep. Um, and it was, and when Harry went on and said, I feel like history is repeating itself, referring to his mother, Diana, when she was crucified by the paparazzi and she ended up, you know, dying. He was like, I just see this happening again. And I, I just couldn't be part of it. Like for me that I had chills. I had not connected those two things before. Um, and I, I just thought that was very revealing of just their reality. I just the fact that he you know remembers so vividly what that time was like and of course now has had even more time since her passing to process what she Mm -hmm. went through you know to read her own words and to hear her own words in interviews that she gave about how isolated she was how traumatic that experience was to see how she was hounded day after day And for him to be like, this is not what's going to happen to my wife. This Mm -hmm. is not what's going to happen to my son. He's not going to lose his mother the way I did. Mm. You know, like to take that step and take that stand, you know, against the oldest institution, (laughs) essentially, um, in history and say, no, not on my watch, not with my family Mm -hmm. was, I mean, just so touching to see. Um, And I'm you know, I think like a lot of us, I am absolutely rooting for them and, and so happy for them that they seem to be in a better place. 
Absolutely. And the last thing I'll share, uh, I'm not sure if you have any other shocking moments, but I thought this was actually a, a delightful shock, uh, which was, you know, people just harp a lot about Megan's race, her being biracial. Um, and, you know, in history, it's the one drop rule where if you have a drop of black in your blood, you're automatically labeled as a black person, mm-hmm. even though she's rather pale. So it's always interesting to me when that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I thought was interesting is in the midst of all this and her, her life kind of falling apart and them being forced out of the, you know, royal family and stripped of titles and everything else that kind of became a consequence that we're now learning because the narrative was they left, you know, um, we learn later, you know, that's not the case is who stepped up to help them, mm-hmm. you know, and who stepped up to give them a voice. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that, it was Tyler Perry. It was a black man yes. who provided his home and security for them during probably the most unstable part of their life. Right. Like everything had been uprooted in that period of time. And they were just trying to figure it out. And it was a black man who provided this safe haven. And then when you think about all all the narratives that have been in the press about them, we now know they were unfounded. They were inaccurate and sometimes just straight out lies. And who allowed them to have a safe platform to share their story? Oprah, a black woman. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was really powerful, like to hear that the two people who helped them probably the most from my perspective were two black people um, helping to essentially give them a voice in a safe place when they most needed it. I know that's right. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I know that's right. And I mean, yeah, that Tyler Perry bombshell, I don't think anybody was ready for that because first of all, I didn't know Tyler Perry knew. Uh, Me either. <laughs> Me either. I didn't know they knew each other. Let alone like stay in your mansion. Right. So shout out to him for being there when they needed him most. And shout out to Oprah for giving them a platform and a, and a voice, just like you said. Absolutely. Um, okay. Let's transition into the tools because even though y'all might have thought we was just going to sit here and kiki the whole time about the interview. <laughs> Um, there are actual lessons to be learned here. Um, and so I will just kick off with the first one. And I, I personally think this is a good lesson for anybody at any company to learn. And that is never underestimate a black woman. Okay. Snap, snap, snap. Never underestimate a black woman. You see, because the firm, the institution, however you want to refer to them, they assumed Megan would keep quiet, play the role you know, keep doing what, just doing what she had been doing, they probably assumed she would do like Diana and basically take it all on, take it on herself, whatever. Instead, Megan spoke up for herself, spoke up to her husband, and with her husband, made a plan to get the fuck out, Mm -hmm. okay? Royals Mm -hmm. be damned, okay? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we've seen companies make this mistake as well. The the example that comes to mind for me, I don't know if you were uh, catching up in all this tea when it was going down, but Shonda Rhimes, you know, she had a big, big deal with Disney, uh, obviously, because she was on ABC primetime. She gave them Grey's Anatomy. She gave them Scandal. She gave them How to Get Away with Murder. And, you know, this was an asset. Like, she was an asset to Disney. Mm -hmm. But they kept playing her, not letting her write the show she wanted to write. And finally, the straw that broke the camel's back, when she wanted Disneyland passes, like, yes, Disneyland passes, they tried to play her and act like you can't have more than the 
standard three that we typically give people. Like, this is Shonda motherfucking rhymes. You right. Like, if she right. asks for 500 passes, you should give them to her. What are you saying? And that's when that bitch immediately called her lawyers and said, get me to Netflix. And now look, she has the number one hit show on Netflix and that could have been Disney's. So wow. it just don't you, underestimate wait. a black woman out here. To clarify, did you say Disneyland passes like to go? Yes, girl. Passes. Like what? <laughs> she, and yes, you can go read this article. I forget which um, magazine it's in, but she literally, and not only is it Disneyland passes, but she names the executive who she called. I forget his name. Somebody over at Disney. She called him when her family didn't have enough passes and was like, hey, my sister can't get in. You know, can you um, make it happen? Get another pass. And he basically was like, uh, haven't we done enough for you? You know what I'm about to say? You about to lose your job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for real, like, why I can't think of anything dumber and pettier to try to deny somebody like Shonda Rhimes. I didn't realize that. Than some you know, Disneyland passes. Uh, yeah, that's idiotic. And, you know, maybe we're coming from a place of entitlement. Like, why should she get free passes? But oh, maybe because she makes them like billions of dollars. So I don't know. Um, but this idea that never underestimate Black women, I love that. And I think that, you know, for Black listeners, they know, they probably know what, the saying I'm about to say, and for our non-Black listeners, um, a lot of times in Black households, there's a saying that's always said, you have to work twice as uh, hard to get half as far. And so because of that, like Black people are oftentimes just exceptional. They have this drive to be number one. They work extremely hard um, because there's more obstacles um, in, 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 in the way to achieve what other groups may be able to get to faster for a myriad of reasons. And so this idea of never underestimating black women, there's a lot of, it is almost bred into us to essentially like fight for equality, you know, in the way that Megan did, right? To achieve a standard of excellence that is unparalleled. Like these things are bred into us. And so when you say never underestimate black women, They've never had a black woman in their family, so they didn't know what was coming for them. Nope, they sure didn't, and they <laughs> and they thought she was just gonna sit there meek and mild. Yeah, and nope, she said, "Look, I'm gonna make a plan. I'm gonna speak up to my husband, and we're gonna do what's best for our family." Yeah, but you know that kind of ties to um, something I want to add is this idea, of, like, as a, for any company, not to penalize someone for being different or forcing your team to conform to a standard that's been there just because it's legacy and it's the way things have always been done, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And so when I think about um, early in my career, I was working at Johnson & Johnson Medical Device Sales and um, I got promoted to um, the Washington DC area and my manager um, was a white woman, blonde hair. And so she was on maternity leave at the time. So she didn't pick me um, to be on her team. And so when she came back, she's like, oh, hi, you know, and she was great to me. But the thing is, she, oh, she, if you look at her team, everyone, <laughs> let's say 90% were white people mm -hmm. in the DC area, where at that time, over 50% of the population was actually African American. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, all the women were blonde, just like her. Now, 
it's one of those things like, okay, you probably choose something that you're more comfortable with because you, you just assume that because this person may look like you, have a similar background, things will be easier and be smoother. But the, the problem is like the two people on the team who are the top performers are the two black people, right? And it kind of ties back to what we're saying about just like this idea of always wanting to work twice as hard. And so that year I was the number one salesperson in the country and the other black gentleman has now become the youngest regional director in the, in the country's history. Um, and so what happens is, and, and, and bringing it back to Meghan Markle, instead of them leveraging Meghan, like her brilliance, her fight for feminism and equal rights, mm-hmm. her, 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 you know, she was just like, I could go on and on about all the things she could have brought, like just showing that unity between the countries, how we, how far we've come as a country, how we've advanced, like, you know, how welcoming and, you know, this is representation of like this progress, like they could have used her difference to really showcase a new era of what the Royal family stands for, but instead they silenced her. Um, and I think that's just a, a missed opportunity because when you're thinking about business, you don't always get to hire the people who are on your team. Sometimes you do, and sometimes you inherit a team, or sometimes someone's just moved on to your team. You know, like some, not everyone gets to choose who's on their team, but you do get to choose how you leverage those team members. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes they're not directly on your team. Maybe they're cross-functional team members. You know, and I used to work in marketing, and we're working with strategy, we're working with finance. We don't get to pick our cross-functional, you know, um, teammates. But do we want to penalize them or silence them or, uh, you know, not leverage them because they're different from us? Or do we want to use it as an opportunity to understand what strengths they have and how to best utilize it for the goals we have ahead for ourselves? You know what? That is so brilliant. I feel like what you're saying is you have to be willing to embrace diversity and see the opportunities that diversity provides as mm. opposed to stamping it out or trying to simply assimilate the diverse people on your team to become little miniature versions of the people you've already got, which is what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And instead, you should be embracing diversity because people, these these differences, you know, can end up really netting you uh, real positives to your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, differences in thought, differences in background and experiences, differences in perspective. All of this is going to, if you let it, push you forward. And they didn't see that. And so they, mm-hmm. they, they instead, the firm decided to stay in their sort of status quo and in their tradition and everything else instead of embracing the diversity and what that could really mean for them and ushering them into a new era. Um, so, I, yeah, I 100% agree with you on that one. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, another one I will say, another lesson here is don't assume your employees won't leave for greener pastures. Mm. And I think a lot of people do this. They convince themselves, like, my company is the bomb because of X, Y, Z. And so it doesn't even occur to them that their people are thinking about leaving. Because they're like, mm-hmm. why would you leave me? Like, my company's mm-hmm. prestigious. I pay you well. 
you know, I'm I'm written up in Fast Company every other week. I've been invested in by Anderson Horowitz and them. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm on TechCrunch. Right. There's no way you would leave me. But mm-hmm. and, and I feel like the firm, they thought that too. Like, who leaves the royal family? Nobody. Mm-hmm. They're like, how are you going to leave the royal family? What's better than this? What's higher than this? But at the end of the day, you forgot about all the little intangibles that actually make people feel supported, respected, regarded, acknowledged. And at the end of the day, people will leave for that. Fuck the prestige and mm-hmm. everything else. If I don't feel supported and acknowledged, like I'll leave. And I mm-hmm. think they very much thought, oh, what's higher than the royal family? Where are you going to go? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I have anything to add there. I think that's exactly right. It's like, you know, I think sometimes, like, for instance, I worked at Google. It was rated the number one best company to work for in America, like, 10 years in a row. But guess what? Even Google has attrition, right, and turnover. And so when you double-click and understand why people are leaving, it's not because people aren't at these companies for ping-pong tables when they find that they can't have career advancement mm-hmm. or there's a lack of recognition mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're not getting the proper support from their managers. Or if you listen to last week's episode, mm-hmm. <laughs> managers get salty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like those are, to your point, intangibles that like even at a Google, you see a significant people who leave, like thousands of people who leave every year. So understanding like the motivators of your teammates um, and trying to essentially fulfill, you know, whatever it is that drives and motivates them is really critical to your overall business success. Because at the end of the day, the people are the heartbeat of your business. And if you're allowing good people to leave because you believe you're so prestigious, you know, whatever that means to you, uh, you're really setting yourself up for failure. 100% agree. Yeah. So another thing I want to talk about is this idea of family coming first. And and we hinted at this a little bit earlier when we were talking about Harry in particular and how it it had to be such a tough decision for him where, you know, his part of his family is his brother, you know, and his father and his grandmother. But at at some point, your family becomes your spouse and your children and trying to protect this unit that you're building out. Mm -hmm. I I think that the firm made a huge mistake by thinking they came first, family came second. And I think many companies might do that also. They work their teams into the ground. You know, they can't separate work and home. They always have to check their emails or always checking their pings around the clock with no delineation or respect for their personal time. Um, And I think that in the case of the firm, they were mistaken. Harry, at the end of the day, shocked the world and chose his family, his wife and his kid, and allowed them to come first. And I think a lot of companies, if they're not careful and they're, you know, grinding their employees uh, into the ground, they're going to face a similar fate where at some point a parent will say, you know what, like I've missed too many of my kids' ball games. You know, mm-hmm. my, you know, I'm working so many hours. I'm not connected to my husband or my wife anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And at some point, if you are not careful about how you manage your team in regards to how hard you grind them or not giving them enough flexibility, I, I'll tell you, they will ultimately, 
the light bulb will go off when they they realize that family needs to come first above your company. So proactively getting ahead of that and giving employees the flexibility they need to be able to balance that work life is going to be, again, really important to retaining top talent. Yep. You know, that reminds me of a story. One of my good friends in business school, he told a story to our, to our whole section um, about how he was in, he was working in, I want to say investment banking. And uh-huh. he, um, you guys know, a lot of people know at investment banks, they will run you to the ground. Mm-hmm. And he was um, working on some deck for some merger, whatever, what have you. And his grandmother had passed away. So oh. he was in the car driving to his grandmother's funeral, got pinged by a partner and about something in the deck that needed to change. So literally had to pull over, was late to his grandmother's funeral. Wow. Because he was in his car working on this PowerPoint deck. And mind you, the partner knew he was on the way to a funeral. That's the only reason he wasn't in the office, right? And and he just, I, mean, I remember him saying, like, that was the moment where he realized, like, this is insane. Like, yeah, I'm literally trying to go honor my grandmother. And I can't even do that because this partner thinks this deck is more important than me having this time to honor this woman. So, you know, yeah. and, and he left very quickly thereafter. And so, yeah, I think family for most people, it does come first. And mm-hmm. when you, I just, I've seen companies lose such great people. This is a brilliant guy. And it wasn't mm-hmm. that he didn't enjoy the work. It was that he couldn't keep forcing himself to work in that way. And so I've just seen companies lose such brilliant people because they run them into the ground and they, and they don't think that that person will choose to put their family first. And ultimately that's what humans often do. Yep. Absolutely. And the thing is, if you are uh, a really talented player, you could always find work elsewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing. Um, and so, and oftentimes, you know, you can go somewhere and get paid same amount that you're getting paid now and work, you know, more reasonable hours, right? And so if you think about it, if you, if you, if you made that a change, you're actually getting paid more per hour, mm-hmm. right? Because you're working less time. And I think a lot of people are kind of like wisening up to this idea that like, you know, it's not how much the total amount. So it's like, if I get paid $200,000 here, you know, $200,000 if I'm working 100 hours a week is not the same of me getting paid 200 hours over here and getting working 50 hours a week. Right. So people are getting smart to this. And so having to be really smart about how you manage your folks. Yep. Yeah. Well, the next one I want to say is the importance of treating your employees equally. And and equally might not be the exact right word. It might be equitably. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, make sure I'm saying the right word here. But I say this because, you know, one of the bombshells that came out during the interview was that the firm had decided before Archie was even born uh-huh. that he would not receive a title, uh-huh. a title, nor would he receive a sec- any security detail, which was a clear break from precedent, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't offer an explanation. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, that's just going to feel like a kick in the gut. Like, wait a minute, my son, all these other fools out here have titles <laughs> and they all have security, but you're not going to give it to my son, who's going to be the first 
born in member of like person of color into this family. Right. And so now, and you're not, and you're not giving me an explanation. It's not like, Oh, look, we ran Uh, out of money. You know, KJ, this part of the interview made me so frustrated and mad. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, because it leads you to believe it has to do with race. Yeah. Right? Because there's no explanation given. So, like, if there's a logical explanation from, you know, the royal family that we aren't you know, aware of, and they share that, like, oh, okay, what? I, I see. It's because of fill in the blank. Like, oh, because Megan's an American and it has to be a British person by law or something, right? Like, even though that's not the case. Like, I was so mad at that part yeah because my blood was boiling with you just talking about it (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's so frustrating but by the same token i have seen companies really piss people off and lose good people because they'll set an expectation that certain things happen at certain times right Mm. like oh you get promoted after you spend two years doing this or (laughs) you know if you have the title of senior director then that means you get xyz but then Mm -hmm. someone will come up and get the title of senior director and they don't get that same thing but no one's telling them why like well why Mm -hmm. am i the exception to the rule right and so i think this just goes to show if you're going to set up some sort of process or precedent or whatever it might be you've got to be willing to follow through with that with all of your employees, or you have to have a good reason why you're breaking from that. And Mm -hmm. it can't just be some like, oh, you know, this one time we're not going to do it because like, it doesn't make sense for us now. Like, no, it can't be vague. It's got to be specific and it's got to be realistic. Um, And I think, yeah, in this particular case, like otherwise it just feels like you're being racist or you're being sexist or you're being, you know, whatever the thing is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it felt like in this case for, for, yeah. for Harry and Megan. That's absolutely right. And I think that's why a lot of this stuff needs to be written down as, you know, systems and processes in place. So there's standards across the board, you know, a lot of times organizations, especially early on, you'll just say things flippantly like, Oh, I forgot. I said that, you know, mm-hmm. but as you grow and you scale, like, it shouldn't be, uh, oh, I happen to say that. It should be like, again, like once you become a director, these are the benefits that come with that. Or after two years, this is when you're usually, you know, between two to three years is when you're eligible for promotion based off these criteria. And so as you grow, just start thinking about how do you protect yourself from a legal perspective, right? Because some people can come back and sue you, mm-hmm. right? And they can show discrimination because you're a woman or because of you're disabled or whatever it might be, you've changed the rules on them, right? Um, so have this stuff in writing, have processes in place and then honor it. Absolutely. And the one, the last one I'll add here is this idea of not ignoring cries for help. Mm. So Megan came to the firm when she was at her lowest low and said, I don't think I want to live anymore. Um, And again, you have to be in a very dark, lonely place for those words to come out of your mouth. And instead of giving her support, it was, that will be an embarrassment to the firm. Mm -hmm. So please go sit in your corner and figure it out yourself. Stay quiet. I think this is one of the biggest letdowns, disappointments, and failures of the firm throughout that entire story. And the thing is, if you take a moment and you think about it from a business perspective, 
there are similar situations, maybe not about suicide, that happens in the workplace. What about the woman who comes and says, you know, I feel like this guy's jokes or touch or fill in the blank was inappropriate and mm-hmm. it made me really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And HR is like, ooh, that person's a VP. We got to protect them. She's junior, you know, she might be just trying to get a come up or get some money. We got to protect him. And instead of listening to her cries for help, they instead say, you know, I'm sure he didn't mean it that way. Mm -hmm. You have to assume good intentions. Okay. We've all heard these types of things, you know, fill in the blanks of whatever it is for you, where you go to HR and you cry for help and they're dismissive. Yep. You know, that's not the type of organizations we want to run, you want to run. When anyone in your team comes to you and cries for help for whatever it might be, whether it's mental health, it's, you know, sexual harassment, it's racial, it is anything that can harm the reputation or the, or just the well-being of your employees, you've got to help them. And some things you might want to think about doing is offering things like mental health day. So aside from, you know, uh, discrimination, things we're talking about, I think you also want to think about how to be progressive, right? For people when they're crying out for help. So like, for me, I remember I was burnt out when I was working at Johnson and Johnson and um, I tried to take a mental health day and my boss sent me this nasty email and was like, Next time you want to take whatever the sick day thing is, aka mental health day, she was like, you need to give me a two-week notice. <laughs> and I was like, that's not how they work. Not a two-week notice for a mental health day. <laughs> I wrote like, that's not how this works. Right. Like, right. I don't know two weeks from now I'm about to have a mental breakdown. Right. You know, like, that's not what happens. It's like, you know, a whole bunch of shit kind of piles up, you know, in your personal life and, you know, at home and your health and then at work and then you have a couple of shitty clients. And then one day you're like, fuck it. Like I'm about to lose it, you know, and that's when you need to cash in your mental health day. So like having safe places where people can say like, Hey, I need to take a mental health day and it being okay and cool and respected and normal, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you as a leader displaying that, I know there's, there's leaders in Silicon Valley that'll send emails out to their entire organization. Say like, I had to take a mental health week. You know, I was feeling burnt out. Um, and I just needed this time to recharge and reconnect with my family. And whenever you need to do the same, make sure you do that. Yep. Like, that's where we need to be as organizations, not ignoring people when they ask for help, rather leading the way to give people the space and the resources for them to be able to do so. That's exactly right. And what I will add to that is not only do you need to, you know, when people are crying for help, be there for them, offer them the support, the resources, um, and not only that, but also being proactive about saying please take your mental health days when you need them. Here are proactively some resources um, that you might be able to utilize. You also have to be prepared for the fact that even if you do all of the right things, right? Someone comes to you and says, I'm struggling. You then come to them and say, okay, please take a mental health day. Here are some resources I recommend. Here's a mental health hotline. Here, you know, um, some, some, some specialists that you might be able to talk to. Even if you do all the right things, 
that person still might make the decision to walk away because that's the best decision for them. And Mm -hmm. you can't penalize them for that. And you can't be upset with them for that. Right. Like if, if you're really trying to run an organization where you say your health is important to me, you got to follow that all the way through. And that might mean following it to the point where that person still decides to leave, right? You're not doing all of this simply because you don't want to lose the person from your organization. You don't, right? You're doing all of this because that's what's right. <laughs> and that, right, that is right. the thing that I think you have to remember because I, I recall one of our early employees um, had a death in the family, took it really hard. Her mom took it really hard. Um, and you know, we did everything that we could. We gave her as much time off as we could. She was leaving early, I think two days a week for her therapy. Of course we said, that's fine. We, we understand, let us know what else you need. And in my mind, we did everything we could to be supportive. She still ended up leaving the company because she, that's what she needed to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And when she left, you know, we didn't say, well, we've been here for you and we gave you all of these resources and I don't understand why you're leaving when we've made Mm -hmm. this, you know, like Mm -hmm. as supportive an environment as we possibly could. We said, we understand. We've loved having you work for us. You need to do what's right for you. And we support Mm -hmm. you 100%, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's about being there when people say they need help, but being there because it's the right thing to do. Right, 100% agree. Um, I want to say to Megan Markle, who I'm sure listens to our podcast. <laughs> I am sure she does. <laughs> that we love you, that we are standing with you, and that we as a community feel the need to protect you at all costs. So we got your back. Yep. That's it. That's, that is on 100%. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, that is it for this week. We hope you loved this episode because we certainly loved bringing it to you. And if you are loving the show, stop right now, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating. And if you have a topic that you would love for us to dive into, or if you're interested in a sponsorship opportunity, simply send us an email at windownbuiltup at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.